you are listening to My City, My Health, the podcast. Hello, guys. I'm Olivia Michaccio, and I'm a fourth-year undergraduate student at the University of Iowa studying health and human phys with a minor in social justice. And um, one day, I hope to be a doctor helping those in my community. And today, I'm joined with Aloha Wilkes, who is a woman prominent in multiple diversity, equity, and inclusion spaces. She is currently a program coordinator for a health equity research initiative. So please give us a brief background on who you are and what health equity means to you. Thanks, Olivia. I appreciate that warm welcome. (laughs) So I'm a program coordinator for the University of Iowa. It's an initiative, a health equity initiative, um, and it's titled Equity in Health Science and Practice. And it's actually an effort that's throughout the state that's focused on advancing health equity through community engagement, which is a much different approach than most research. And it's focused on community engagement, research, and health improvement for communities that were affected by COVID-19 and diabetes. And so I oversee that project and it's statewide. I have a community advisory board that I oversee. Their feedback helps us to access needs and create interventions. Um, And I travel to communities to build collaborative relationships. And that's probably the most important piece of my work, building those relationships so that I'm able to be in a space to access needs and create interventions. And with that, we it's a cross-college, cross-community initiative. So we have faculty, staff, undergrads, uh, graduates, PhD candidates, all on our staff, med students. And we have also involved four different colleges. We work with College of Liberal Arts, College of Dentistry, College of Public Health, in Carver College of Medicine. So it's been a great initiative that is cross-college and cross-community. Right. Going off of that, what do having a relationship with those colleges, how does that help you kind of build the community up while breaking down barriers? Because each college plays its role in that. And so they bring their level of expertise from the College of Public Health, and then they bring their level of expertise from the Carver College of Medicine. And so we try to put everyone at the table and so we can obtain different perspectives. And that really helps when we're creating these interventions that we we don't miss those gaps. And we actually kind of, you know, provide the resources based off the needs. Overall, what does health equity mean to you? To me, health equity means that every one has access to healthcare, plain and simple. Right. And it's important that we look at social determinants when we're looking at um, healthcare mm-hmm. because community members don't have food security, housing, transportation, and those things evolve to quality of life, then um, there's very little chance they're going to worry about healthcare, right? Because they're trying to survive. So Those are the things that I find myself looking into, doing more deep dives into um, for in in obtaining healthcare for everyone. Right. So what does a certified professional coder entail and how does that help you in your goals to close the health equity gap? So certified coding is how revenue is brought in. And so 
It's a mixture of ICD-10 diagnosis codes and CPT codes. And ICD-10 actually describes like the disease or the condition. Mm -hmm. And then the CPT codes describes like the treatment or the therapy or in the diagnostic services. So when you look at intersections there, you are able to pull some data that can transfer over to health equity. And so if I'm looking at certain demographics and I intersect with that disease and how that person was treated, I can see whether there is some equity or inequities there based off those intersections. And so I've been able to help different med students who have created presentations and they have pulled in data and kind of helping them break down that data and how to present it and how it looks when you're trying to look at different equities and and, uh, inequities surrounding healthcare. Okay. That's something I did not know. Yeah. I actually did not know it would transfer over because I've been a coder for so many years. Mm -hmm. I've actually was in coding integrity before this for almost a decade. And so I didn't, I just was ready for a career change and able to do and wanting to to do health equity and uh, just realized that my coding uh, certification would be able to help out with that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and it kind of shines light on there's so many layers to health equity and what Mm -hmm. you can do, how to get involved as a student, and probably Mm -hmm. most of the public wouldn't know that that play a crucial role and identifying what needs to be fixed, what should continue. Mm -hmm. um, Mm -hmm. It really helps highlight those. Yeah, it's a very data-driven world. And so you have to be able, it helps to break down data and the best, the best, the better you can break down data, you are able to deliver, you know, resources based off of needs. And so when you look in, you can look at it from that perspective of diagnosis codes, treatment and demographics, and you can really begin to like kind of look at some inequities versus inequities. Thank you. Going forward, as a woman of color in a predominantly white community, mm-hmm. what does race play like as a role in health equity? So those same inequities that uh, community members face, black and brown community members, um, those same, that was a system, right? So those same inequities face black and brown researchers for health equity. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just two different sides of the coin. You know, it's it's interesting, depending on the space I occupy or the communities I serve, we target communities that, are underserved. Um, and so we go to them humbly. And as a woman of color, a professional, and I carry the university brand, it can be burdensome actually sometimes to make sure that I'm not being framed in different stereotypes and you know uh, biases. And so I remain professional all the time and I'm very transparent as to what I'm doing, um, providing and delivering health equity. And I say most of the time that pretty much works, but there have been times, there's been some bumps in the road where unfortunately we have community that just, you know, they don't necessarily, um, they kind of lean into the stereotypes and, you know, uh, and that can be difficult conversations, but conversations I'm willing to have. Right. Mm -hmm. What do you think is missing in the conversation about health equity? Furthermore, who, if anyone, is missing in the conversation? I think what's missing in the conversation is actually the community members, the community, the communities that we're serving. Um, We can't assume what the needs are unless we actually are engaging with that community and those community members to find out the needs. And 
a lot of times we, you know, we look at theory and we look at all of the other things outside of the actual communities. And that means going in and community engagement. And so we think that theories and stuff that we bring up are actually going to work for any community we serve. And that's not it. Unless you have community members at the table who are willing to confide in you and let, let you know what the needs are and are willing to work with you to figure out interventions to get to overcome those barriers, um, we're not, that's not health equity. Everyone has to be at the table. So what do you do to try to get those community members at the table? Like, do you do questionnaires, surveys? How are their voices being heard? I actually see. And so that leans more into the traditional way of it. There are surveys and stuff, some, but right. when you're doing this community engagement work, you're literally driving to the community, getting out your car and walking through the neighborhood, through the parks. Um, you're, you're in all the spaces that they occupy, the grocery stores, the, you know, the um, events for different holidays. And, I've, you know, I've gone to Storm Lake. I've taken cultural humility there. I've, um, I've helped out at food pantries. You dive into the community like you're a community member because you have to start. It takes a, it takes a long time. It does not happen overnight. Mm -hmm. So any opportunity that you have or available to you to engage, you need to engage with transparency, mm -hmm. be fearless and be intentional. Wow. And that will, that will start to build those relationships so that we can actually get to the table. Awesome. Wow. That just gave me chills. <laughs> no, it's, it's very, it's fearless work. It's fearless. Wow. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, Okay, and then as someone who works with hospital leadership on diversity, equity, and inclusion initiatives, do you believe the composition of the board reflects the communities that experience the gap in health equity? I definitely um, acknowledge that a effort, a real effort, was made right to have that board mm -hmm. reflect the communities we serve. Right, um, but I don't think there is just enough individuals who are willing to do this work, who are of color, right? To bring to the table. And that's kind of disappointing because although I do have, um, I'm very um, committed, mm -hmm. you know, um, in, in, in what I'm doing, but unfortunately there are, I have colleagues and other community members within the university who've had reason not to be as committing, right? And who couldn't take, all the different system and structural things that kind of stacked up against them. And so they chose to leave. And so when you look at that, then the more people, who, the more professionals of color who leave, then that's less who we are able to sit around the table. And so, although I think there was a real effort made to, com to compose a committee that was reflected, um, we need to do more about making sure we retain professionals of color so that they remain a part of the conversation and we actually get to those uh, resolutions and overcome those barriers that we need to. Mm -hmm. So do you think it's more of a systematic issue? Like Absolutely, yeah. Okay. okay. It's to me, it's, I mean, the healthcare system and that's what, that's the hard work, right? Because it's the healthcare system. We're really trying to like reform our whole system. Right. <laughs> you know, and From it's through health, up. exactly. And it's right. through health equity. 
So when you think about how surmountable that is, right? You're transforming a whole system and it's not going to happen overnight, but you're doing it. You're trying to get the best of your buck day by day. Right. Because that's the only way you're going to do it. And that's a piece of that is developing relationship with community members, recognizing and, and sitting down and acknowledging stakeholders, mm-hmm. just every, it's just, you know, so many pieces to it, you know, making sure you have a, a health equity team that's equipped to deal with all the different, I want to, I don't want to say ups and downs, but it's bittersweet when you're dealing with health equity. Like I said, because we are actually transforming or starting to transform, help to transform a system. Right. I kind of can see that in the work that I do. I'm a nursing assistant at the Mm -hmm. university. Yeah. And I can definitely see there are improportionate resources given to those who know to ask for them. Right. Rather than those who unfortunately don't have the same knowledge. Right. And those are the people I advocate for. Right. Yep. And they don't know, like, how how can I advocate for myself within the hospital wall? That's now? right. Yep. Yeah. I can, I can and sometimes that. that's like a language barrier, right? Right. And we have right. a system set up that we have someone who's supposed to be available, but mm-hmm. I've been in spaces out in Iowa, not necessarily, but yeah, maybe not at the university, but they've had different patients from Pacific Islands and they call up for interpretation. There's no one that speaks that language, right? right. So mm-hmm. how can we even start a conversation? Yeah. About that patient's health. Yeah. It's very unfortunate. And yeah, yeah it is unfortunate. But <laughs> just know, like, I'm the one who advocates for those people who can't advocate for themselves. And a part of my advocating for them is empowering them too. Right. So that they can articulate for themselves and they know exactly what reasonable and just looks like. Right. So, kind of going off of that, mm-hmm. your opinion, what do you think? are the largest barriers to health equity in the Iowa City community? My equity team has not done such a deep dive into Iowa City, but what I can tell you, in Iowa City, my feedback has come from surveys um, that we've conducted in different interviews that we've conducted with different populations in regards to COVID and and, uh, diabetes. And in those surveys and interviews, we were able to target English-speaking populations as well as Spanish-speaking populations. Mm-hmm. And so gathering that feedback and looking at the data the data, and, you know, coding those different things out, some of the same themes that are around the country for Black and Brown community members are within Iowa City. The biggest being um, communication barriers, whether it be because of cultural or language or just the connection to your primary care provider or trying to have a connection or feeling like you're a patient because maybe your provider doesn't look like you or, you know, doesn't speak your language. And so trying to make that connection seems to be very hard for community members. But there are some providers who are willing and who are doing some things to make sure they can connect. But if you're not intentional about connecting with your patient, it's not just going to happen. It's not magic. Right. I can also see that again in a hospital setting, there's a lot of mistrust between patients and providers. And I think that does kind of drive people away from getting that. Absolutely. Absolutely. Because it piggybacks to like, you know, historically things that have happened. And then, you know, and so, and, and so it does, it it just doesn't, um, you know, we have to do a better job at uh, providing safe space for our community members 
who are of color and they're needing the care, the same care as as everyone else across the board. That's health equity. Mm-hmm. And going off of that, um, as someone who's a key contact person for community mm-hmm. engagement, why is it important to keep those community members involved to overcome the barriers that are set in place? And what are the repercussions if those members are not involved? Yeah, it's very important for community members to stay involved. We have to humbly approach them and ask them, how can we help you? We don't need to come with the solutions. That's not, we've tried that for years and it hasn't worked. And demographics change sometimes by the week. It's a very different world. So you have to continue to re- revisit. It's not just ask once, but develop a relationship that where you can come back and revisit is what can I do? How can we help? And you're getting that from community members. And then the stakeholders, all the businesses in the community and the entities in the community, they join in because everyone is part of this. And so Storm Lake is a it's a kind of a tight-knit community. So it was little, it was um, less difficult to create those connections there. But I'm not sure. A lot of places you'd be surprised because like I actually presented at the public health conference last week and I was introduced to people right from here from the University of Iowa within departments that I never knew about. Right. So maybe even getting their voices Mm -hmm. out. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And some resources was right there in Storm Lake that I didn't know about. But you have to like really dig because we might think we might look from the outside and have our equations and be like, you know, well, this is the problem. Looks like they need more transportation. But unless you're getting, especially from a diverse space, Mm -hmm. unless you're getting that from the community members, those are not, that is not how you need to access needs. Right. Yeah. Those need to come straight from the community members. And the consequence of not getting those for, for community members is for us, the unfortunate part is that we will continue not to be able to ensure healthcare access for all. Mm-hmm. And that's, we need to be doing exactly the opposite. Mm-hmm. So, so. Um, proper representation of the community, you might say? Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Proper representation. And actually, let them represent for themselves. And if you, if we, if you need to bring an interpreter there, you know, you need to have listening groups, mm-hmm. listening discussion, very intimate spaces very intimate spaces. That's the only way people are going to be able to really tell you what their needs are. And kind of improve that like group efficacy mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. in the community to make sure that they know that they can advocate for themselves. Exactly. And for them to know that there's people like me out here that's advocating for them because you'd be surprised these vulnerable communities don't even know there's people advocating for them. Mm. And that's even empowering for them to know that someone's advocating for them. They're like, okay, well, She's advocating for me. I'm going to advocate for myself and my family. It's all about sharing that space so that you don't feel isolated, that you can't express needs. Mm-hmm. You can't, you know, and that's the that's what I don't. And that's what I prevent from happening. I want everyone to be able to be sit in a safe enough space to express needs in regards to health equity. Okay. Moving forward in the Iowa City community, what are the specific needs that are required to help close the gap in health equity? So I'm going to speak on just on access. Recently, UIHC has made a huge effort to increase health care for residents on the southeast side of Iowa City. And so they have a brand new clinic that they're opening uh, on the southeast side of Iowa City. 
The reason for opening was to make sure everyone has access to high quality health care. And that came straight from the mayor of Iowa City. And so that's what most residents on that side of town had to travel very far just for their primary provider. And that means a lot. I, I spoke about transportation being one of the social determinants. And so putting a facility close to residents, they can have access. That is, that's huge. That's huge. I um, commend UIHC for doing that. What you value, you put effort and money towards. Right. And then going off, like having more access points for those in the community might also decongest mm. the hospital. Because right now we're always Absolutely. You know, Overcrowded. People are going to the emergency room for their primary care. Right. Um, transportation plus fear of the medical space it doesn't take much for someone just to say, you know what, I'm checking out. Right. So, right. and like you said, it will free up some of the systems, kind of unclog some of the systems, like in the quick care, the emergency room, all of these spaces that are that are uh, you know, kind of a net for patients who just don't have that accessible health care. And that helps the whole community. Right. So, yeah, when you take up, take care of the vulnerable, it usually impacts the entire community. Mm -hmm. All righty. Thank you so much for my last question. Uh, sure. What's the biggest thing you would like the listeners to take away from our conversation we had today? The one thing that I would want anyone, listeners or anyone who might be interested, interested in health equity work. I would want you to know that it's brave work. Mm -hmm. It's hot work. Um, I like to call it soul work. And you have to be, like I said, intentional and fearless because there are so many health equities and it's in so many different spaces. And like I said, with the, the way our globe has changed, we deal with vulnerable populations. So we deal with refugees and immigrants and asylum seekers. And so the way that has taken an uptick in, in the last couple of years, we have to be prepared. And so I would say anyone who is interested or think their passion is in health equity work, please move forward with it. You'll have a job for a very long time. But when you when these communities allow you in their spaces, Please be humble and allow the trust to build so that you can get the work done. If you don't have the trust, then there's no basis to build up off of, no foundation at all, not at all. And so that's very important. So that I would ask that of anyone who's trying to do health equity work, be humble and be intentional about gaining trust. Well, thank you so much, Aloha Volks, for joining me today. Thank you, Olivia. It was a pleasure.